Psalm 26, judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted in the Lord, therefore I will not slide, would be totter, or slip, or go away from the even place he is in by the verse 12. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me, try my reins and my heart, for thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I will wash my hands in innocency, so I compass, compass thine altar, O Lord, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving, Psalm 26, verse 7, and tell of all thy wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. could almost be like your uh, eulogy. I'm thinking, gather not my soul, of course, this part, my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men, in whose hands is mischief, and their right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity. Redeem me, and be merciful unto me. I love verse 12, my foot standeth in the even place. In the congregations will I bless the Lord. May the Lord have blessing to the reading of his words. Pause for prayer. Lord, next few moments, God direct my thoughts and words. I pray for Bill's family, continued bereavement and the passing of his niece. I think of Mary. I pray that you'd help her now with this cold congestion cough that she has with her broken rib. I pray you'd ease that pain, help the rib to heal quickly from Miss Sherry and her ongoing treatments, uh, help her body to respond and not have terrible side effects. With Brother Larry, we thank you so much that he is doing better. We continue to heal him. And for Bruce, tomorrow I pray as he goes to the surgeon, there can be some help found. Some medicinal help, some therapy, I don't know how to pray other than, Lord, I pray that you'd intervene in his life. Encourage him, Lord, please, even tomorrow, and bless our time together. We thank you for this psalm. We thank you for the author of it. Thank you most of all for Jesus, who is the red thread of red that runs all the way through Scripture. May we learn today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Spurt, now there are three things, I think it's in your, there are three possibilities as to the background of this psalm. Number one would be uh, the sweet singer of Israel wrote this. Uh, at the, if you remember, Ishbosheth was the fourth son of Saul. Two of his leaders, this will be 2 Samuel chapter 4, two of his generals murdered him. And came back and told David, look what we have done. And well, you know, we should be praised for this. And David did just the opposite. So it is thought by some that after this treacherous murder, David says to the people of Israel, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord. Therefore, etc., etc. Examine me. Can you imagine asking the Lord to examine you to the deepest core? Like a Examine. It's like if you ever took a, a test, I, remember, I was just thinking on the way over how on my final exam in the last year of theory, I got a B for the semester because I really blew the last part of the final. I had AAA and then, oh, man, I got that really messed that up. And I remember it to this day. I really blew that thing. So there are sometimes your exams. Now, Dr. Phillips says that he would go into the exam on English history excited about it because he that's his favorite subject and he could talk about that for a long time. I have never approached an exam excited about taking it. I don't maybe you have, but every test I had it was like <sighs> nerve-wracking. And so can you imagine though saying to someone, now, I want you to go, I want you to dig as deep as you want in my life and you know I, I can stand the fire. 
I can't ever remember. I would never say that. And, and, and David's almost examined me. You know, there's only one person, individual, who could pass such a test with flying colors that would be Jesus himself. God said of Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So he, he stands forever and a day above us. He's righteous, holy, and just, which all of us, I would quickly, I think we all would shout amen to, and he is the one we are striving to be like. So why did David say this? First possibility, it was after the murder of Ishbosheth. but I like what Spurgeon says. You don't have it in your notes, but he says this, uh, the tenor of the psalm certainly agrees with the supposed occasion, but it is not possible with such a slender clue to go beyond conjecture. So there we are. It's not possible such a slender clue to say that that is for sure why he wrote this. Number two is the possibility of 2 Samuel chapter 24. David does a great plague. This is the last chapter of 2 Samuel. Why is there a great plague in Israel? What did David do? That to us seems halfway innocuous, but it wasn't to God's sight. He numbered the, numbered the people. Even if you want to look at Joab, even sort of uh, says, no, 2 Samuel 24, 2 Samuel 24, verse 3. Now, who was Joab? David's general. Was he good or bad? I would say the very same, sometimes good, sometimes bad. Uh, he did a lot, a lot of things he should not have done, but he did. I mean, he was a good general. That, that uh, he says, and one of the good things is right here, Second Samuel twenty four three. David says, "Go number the people." And Joab said unto the king, "Now the Lord thy God add unto the people how many soever they be, a hundredfold, and that the eyes of my lord the king may see it. But why doth my lord the king delight in this thing? Why you're asking?" And I was a little bit of study found out that. Unless it involved a redemption price, they were never to number the people. And so David was going outside the bounds of what was right to do as the king. What was the one, why would you do that? Why did David do this? What was the underlying purpose for David to start counting his soldiers? So, but what was in David? What, if I did it, okay, let's just, but if I counted, look at how many... How many soldiers I've got? Look at the army I have at my beck and call. Possibly, possibly, uh, we could have, if I did it, it'd be pride. Because wow, I look at the armies I have. If they're going to do it for the right purposes, now David, yes, God. But the plague comes on the scene for three, uh, for a long time. There's this plague, and but if you will look at the end, hmm, David says at the end that he is guilty. He is the one at fault. Verse 10, and David's heart smote him after that he numbered the people. And David said unto the Lord, I have sinned greatly in that I have done. And now I beseech thee, O Lord, take away the iniquity. By the way, thee and the, thee before a vow, vow sound. Yes. Well said, yes. That's all the way through. Can you put that in today's lingo? Then how, how about today, Gary? Would you say the same way today? So how would we how would we take that and put it into today? Does not want us to depend upon ourselves, right? The same way. That's why he gives us suffering. 
That's why he brings trials into our lives, so that the first thing we should be doing, we should be doing without trials even, is calling on the Lord. I mean, I've got this, so he wants us to draw this. It's a good, a good, very good point. He just wants us to do that today as well. And so David, though, so if David confesses he's sinful, going back then to Psalm 26, look what he says in Psalm 26 right off the bat. He says, mm, examine me, I have trusted also, etc. He's, I am innocency. I'm walking, I, verse 6, I will wash my hands in innocency. So I don't think this can be the background for the psalm because in here in 24 Samuel, he says, I am guilty. I have done wrong. In Psalm 26, I'm washing my hands in innocency. Yes? It's strange that God caused David to do something to punish Israel when God could punish them another way. That's true. I like one of the things I've got in my notes somewhere. Uh, maybe it's not. Maybe it's in a message, but it's like uh, we'd have to trust God. If you think you have all the answers and you're trying to answer all the mysteries, you're going to allow yourself to make a lot of mistakes because some things we just can't answer. And if you've studied Bible, uh, there are people who are trying to split the thread of the sovereignty of God is the biggest topic in the world. And the, the theological word today is they're trying to answer how God can know everything and yet give us the choice to choose. He gives us the freedom of choice. How does that happen? And so people go to, they go to seed on that and they've got this, all these things. And if you follow it to the end, though, follow it to the end, it just, it's a lot of problems. Let's shall we continue on. But that, all these are all good thoughts. The second one is in 2 Samuel 21. 2 Samuel 21, there's a great famine in the land, verse 1, for three years. This is a more likely possibility. This might be the most likely of all. There's a three-year famine because the Gibeonites. Why was there a famine regarding the Gibeonites? What had the Gibeonites done with Mr. Joshua? Tricked him, remember? They weren't so far away, but they put on the old clothes. They had moldy bread. Oh, we've come a long way. Make a treaty with us. And they weren't supposed to make a treaty with anybody, but Joshua and the people said, okay, we'll make a treaty with you. Come to find out, they were just like a little ways over. And so God, we find that uh, Saul had massacred the Gibeonites years ago, and nothing had been done. It was a national sin. There needed to be national punishment. Nothing had been done. David was perplexed because of the famine, and, and that was the purpose. In chapter 21 of 2 Samuel, and the king of the Gibeonites said unto them, Now the Gibeonites, etc. And we find in, if you remember, what happens? What happens to Saul's sons? Remember, Rizpah goes to the grave, his, the wife or something, one of them goes to the grave and, and battles the birds, and he hangs the sons. I mean, ten, I think it was 10 of them died because there had to be some retribution for Saul's massacre, and there is a famine. So you can pick one of those three or find your own. That's the stage is set back over here to Psalm 26. We don't know. We can't say with apodictic, which is absolutely certain certainty. Uh, I can say with apodictic certainty, my shirt is blue. Because that's, that's, that's blue. I, I mean, I, I'm certain that's blue. Judge me, O Lord. Verse, we find, if your outline's ready, the divinely open life. Judge me. O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, wherefore I shall not slide, totter. 
Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. Uh, in your outline, the, the words of that song that Stephanie plays often for invitation, Search me, O God, and know my heart today. Try me, O Savior, know my thoughts, I pray. See if there be any wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. That's the, really, if you want to sum up those two verses, that would be it right there. So now David does not feel he has done any, really anything to confess. What a delightful state of the soul. I think it was pretty, what a delightful state. Uh, you don't, please don't answer aloud, but if I were to ask you, is there anything in your life you need to confess to God this morning? Well, mm, well you know, there. Well, you know, uh, yeah. David says, what a delight. He has nothing in here uh, to, 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 he needs to confess. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me my reins and try my heart. I believe that all of us could draw closer to God. Now, some of us are closer than, uh, than others, but I think the further you get to God, the I think it's he whittles us down to we had a broad, maybe we had a broad area of I'll get involved in all these things. They're not necessarily even bad things. But and then as we get closer to God, we lay those things that aren't necessary aside. So I stopped paying much attention to sports several years ago. I don't miss it. I just can't follow along. I'll watch Kentucky basketball. You know, I'll just see what the score was. And I'll, if I'm high school, I'll just see what the score is. But the sit, well, one thing, I don't have TV, so <laughs> that helps. But see, as you lay these things aside, now, it doesn't mean you fill them up with something else. We, we fill them up with, we learn more about God, and we draw closer to Him. As the closer you get to God, things that bother Mr. Womack may not bother me at all. Things that bother me may not bother him at all. But see, between you and God, the closer you get, then we spend more time with him and we draw closer and closer and closer. And that's, he whittles us down. He whittles out the, my wife has had like a porcupine when we got married. I had all these things sticking out everywhere. And so over time, and my wife has sort of whittled. Now we're not all there yet. I still got some needles I need to whittle down and I'll probably always have those needles, but they're shorter than they were. You know, and, and get smoother. And the rough edges, I should maybe say, is like a meteorite that has all kinds of edges. I've been honing those things down. And so, whew, there's one here. We have to work on this side for a while. And that's what we do with each other. And the Holy Spirit, most of all, does that for us. He whittles the dead wood out, if you would. Judge me in your outline. Put me to the test. There's not many subjects in school that I would have wanted to take a test on, uh, but that's what he's asking for. Try me, examine me, prove me, assay me, uh, test me for reality is the language of, of the, it's the language of the smelter. It's, it's, it's put your gold in here and assay, assay, assay it. It's how much, is it 24 karat gold? Or has it got a lot of junk in there? And so that's the idea, to prove me, try my reins and heart or thoughts and feelings, probe down to the innermost parts of my being, and you're going to find integrity. And that, by the way, as a Christian man or woman, we need to have that for us, integrity, that we always do what God would have us to do and do what is right. And he's, and he's not wavering. Vindicate me. I am innocent. I mean, obviously, we know that, that only the Lord is completely innocent, but that was his mindset. He feels in a right relationship with God. Remember the Old Testament time when the, the animal was slain and the, and, the, and the priest would take a sharp knife and he would, I don't know, whatever animal it was, and he'd peel back the skin and he, he'd look at the entrails to see if there's a, a blemish in there. That was, he's examining, and that's the idea. He looked for a blemish. And when you look at Christ, I tell you, the deeper you go, the more you find he's just, he's just, Better and better. And you don't have to worry about, I don't worry about, did you, let me ask you, last night, did you go to bed worrying about, 
did God really create the world? Or is evolution right? Did you worry about that when you went to bed last night? I did not. I, I, we settled that a long time ago. It was like, uh, the confidence, the sun. Are you confident the sun's going to come up tomorrow? Yes. The Bible says there's going to be this. Are you confident that spring is going to come? Woohoo! We're hoping for spring. I'm already hoping. It's not even winter yet, is it? Not even winter yet. And we're, I'm looking forward to spring, except for the lawn mowing, because I got my lawn and just a whole, those few leaves just stay on the tree all winter. I don't care. And we got my lawn ready for the winter, I hope. And we got rain. I hope we get more rain and, and everything. We have to just trust the Lord for all those things. And he, he will meet the needs. Uh, one, one poet said, O God of matchless grace, we sing unto thy name. We stand accepted in the place that none but Christ could claim. The only way you and I can ever say one and two truthfully is when we're under the blood. When God sees you and me, he sees us through the blood of Christ, and he can say, I, he's a redeemed one. He's one of my child. He's been forgiven by God's grace. So that was the divinely open life. Secondly, verse 3, the divinely obedient life, for thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. Love is a very powerful motivation. What, how would you weigh a love as a motivation with other things? It's just about the highest motivation. You, you, will, see, you will see men that they fall in love with, and they'll do anything that, that for this. They have all these different things that motivates them, sports or whatever, but when they fall in love with a woman, they will do whatever it takes to woo her, etc. We need people, I'm putting you in an outline, Montgomery Boyce says, we need people who have been taught and who then also walk in that way so that they demonstrate to unbelievers that the path of faith and the morality is the happy and successful way to live. We need to be, I won't say this, but poster, poster children, if you would, in our, our world today, technology world, whatever. But we need poster children of God's marvelous power. That he can take a human being and change him from the inside out. And that's, that's uh, my, my immediate boss called me a couple of weeks ago. We were on a call, and I'd sent some pictures of all we're doing at our senior centers and across the whole state of Kentucky with all 15 of our ads on the same call. She used all the pictures I had sent her of our group here, the only one she used of all the pictures that show everybody else what they should be doing with their money and, or something that gives them ideas. And so my boss goes, Tim, you're the poster child for, for Fiveco now. I said, I don't want to be that thing. So, but we are, in a way, in a, in a good way, we should be salt and light for a world to see. So divinely obedient light. Uh, Spurgeon says, if our actions are evil... It is a vain, wrong thing to take comfort from our thoughts. If actions speak louder than words, they may well speak louder than our thoughts. So the Christian life should not be just a heart issue. It is, but also should be reveal itself in our actions, etc. It was, it, was, it was a British history in India. And the Hindu religion had these tribes called the criminal tribes, and they were they lived off crime, and so they had like gangs that would come through, and they would just live off stealing and robbing, and so they were trying to reform. They they put them in prison, they persecuted them, uh, punished them severely, not persecuted, but punished them severely. Yet the gang still roamed, and the government in India could not figure out how can we get this gang stuff to stop. The influence had failed. So then Sir John had Sir John Hewitt had an idea, try kindness. He'd heard of the Salvation Army's success in reclaiming the broken ones of Europe, so the governor paid a visit to 
General Booth in England. And the old salvationist's attitude could be summed up, and I love this sentence, you cannot make a man clean by washing his shirt. You cannot make a man clean by washing his shirt. It's the inside out. And so the government put a territory aside. They brought the Salvation Army into this territory. They took all these gangs of the criminal gangs of India and put them in there. And you know what happened? Success. They couldn't believe the success. It infuriated the Hindus of India, but the government stood firm. And the result, story after story after story of lives changed by the power of God. Because the people shared the gospel of Christ. It really is the only true answer, I believe, for people's condition. Henry Drummond called it the expulsive expulsive power of a new affection. How it expels the things that were in and it changes the life. So, So for thy loving kindness is before mine eyes and I have walked in thy truth. The truth is the gospel is the changing power of the world what the world needs so love never faileth that little poem love is pure gold love is what christ came to unfold it's the love three divinely overcoming life and we see a principle of separation verse four i have not sat with vain persons neither will i go in with dissemblers i have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked so there's a principle of separation i have not sat now what does it mean if you're sitting somewhere what does that mean it means you are Thinking, if you're sitting with someone at a restaurant, you are conversing, you're communicating, you have stopped what you're doing, and you are rubbing off on one another if you have sat there. It's a posture of ease and a posture of continuance. Be not deceived in 1 Corinthians 15, evil communications corrupt good manners. So a vain person is a person whose character is essentially false or worthless, the dissembler is the out-and-out hypocrite. The evildoer is a man who is set to destroy all the good, as the Hebrew word suggests. So the wicked man is a lawless man who is driven by his restlessness of, of the of fallen nature. They would separate himself from those kinds of people. I have not sat with vain persons. I've been listening to this past week a three over three-hour podcast on the Enneagram. Now, do you know what the Enneagram even is? It's your person, the personality tests. They are actually, if you, if you want to know anything about them, they are actually founded based in a Hinduistic, Mideastern thought, the guys who established these. Uh, and, and, it's, uh, and Christianity, though, has taken these things that have a background of a, a philosophy of Hinduism, etc., and Mideastern mysticism, and taken them, and you see books. And the ideogram, how it helps you to, in your walk with Christ, and they haven't traced back all the way where these things got their start from. We have to be careful. David said he's not going to have sat with vain people, or neither will I go in with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers. This is something I think that is forgotten today, a place of a good positive no. Sometimes, well, are you going to, well no, I'm not going to do that, or I, I really don't do that, etc. We, we as Christians, there now we're not trying to be condescending or arrogant, but... It's like Potiphar. He had a wife who rolled her eyes at Joseph, and he wouldn't roll them back. So he just said, no. And when the time came, he ran out. There are some battles, ladies and gentlemen, that we just need to run from. Oh, but I'm a strong Christian. I can, I, well, we just sometimes, the Bible says, especially men, we've got to flee fornication. It's just, we have to just take bold steps to avoid that, because 
The moment you think that you can do it on your own, you are toast in today's vernacular. I like what David Gozik said. We choose, unlike David, we choose associations in our entertainment. We often choose very poorly. I like the, the progression, he says. We allow the wicked to amuse us, then to be our examples, and then to be our models, and then our family idols. David's statement applies here when applied to these kind of contacts and associations. Do you remember a, a, a man, you know who Norman Lear was? Do you remember who that was? He died this week. He was very famous for a sitcom, which my mom and dad never let me watch. Okay. We didn't get that channel. That's another reason. All in the family. The very first time you heard a toilet flush on TV was all in the family. And Norman Lear's purpose in all his things was to tear down all the conservatism. He was very liberal, and he wanted to bring in the, the, the revolution. And so he brought all these things in. And we have, you know what we laugh at? If you can get, some, if you can get us to laugh at something, it no longer is bad to us. You, you know what I'm saying? It is, it, oh, that's, that's funny now. And it no longer is wrong. And so if you, how the culture has been changed by, we let down our guard. So there's a principle of separation. In verse 6, the principle of sanctification. I will wash my hands in innocency, so will I compass thy altar, O Lord. The positive is this part of sanctification, becoming more like Christ. I like the poem. I'll put it in your outline. I cannot give it up, this friendly world I know, the innocent delights of life, the cherished things I cherish so, and then the author thought of the cross, not really these last two sentences. Nay, world, I turn away, though thou seem far and good, that friendly outstretched hand of thine is stained with Jesus' blood. The world wants to attract us, and we want that for a moment, that the pleasures and, and sinful pleasures for a moment. Perhaps if we would, every time we wash our hands, and we know that COVID, I think, is getting ramping up some, whatever, however you wash your hands, put the sanitizer on them. Every time we do that, if we think about spiritual thought, how is my spiritual life going as I'm washing my physical hands? Am I clean with God? You look at the world today, and, and I've on the computer a lot, and so you turn on your computer, and for some reason I leave my, I think it's CNN or something that comes on first. Have you ever noticed how all the headlines are negative? You know what? There's going to be three days of sunshine in northeastern Montana this week. Woohoo! And Florida is going to get 10 days in a row of sunshine. Eastern Kentucky is going to have some balmy weather and enjoy. Go out. It, no, it's like storms coming. Freezing rain here. Be careful there. Oh, this is terrible things. Everything's almost negative bad news. Do you see that? And the headlines, I was telling Stephanie, where's the headlines like 93,000 more reject Christ's offer salvation today and go out into eternity? You want to know what's really important? Tomorrow, 93,000 more reject Christ's offer of salvation and go out to a Christless eternity. Now, that would be a headline that really makes a, makes a difference. We don't see those, though, because we, we've let the most important things go away, and we're so encumbered with so many material things and life-living things. Four, divinely overflowing life. First of all, it involves praising the Lord. Verse 7, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving. Uh, one renders that, I love to sing my thanks aloud. Mr. Womack talks about different times about just praising the Lord for this or praising the Lord for that. And praise the Lord that watches over. She does so many things on a day-by-day -day basis. There's no real joy in all the world to be compared with the peace 
of God that comes from serving him. It's not bondage. Satan will say, listen, to become a Christian, you're going to get bound and you can't do anything of your own. No, it's just the opposite. When you trust the Lord and you're walking with him, then you can have the peace. But you're, how many people cannot lay their head on the bed at night without wondering, how am I going to wake up in, in the morning? Am I going to wake up? And if I do wake up, what's going to happen to me? Second, not only praising the Lord, preaching the Lord, and tell of all thy wondrous works, we are to communicate with others. It was interesting, when the Nile overflows uh, in Egypt, in, the long, in ancient Egypt, they would have had a certain two or three, I don't know how many they had, but they had uh, people in Pharaoh's court whose their job was to measure how high the Nile was getting up when flood season, and he would come back and say, hey, it's going to be a good year because the Nile's really going to flood good and get a lot of this stuff and, and get our crops going. So that was part of it. It's, it's a praising the, the Lord we should be doing. It was interesting. Uh, uh, Ryan asked, uh, Ryan, Kyle asked me yesterday, he said, do, do, they give, do they give refills at the Sabaro? I said, I don't know. You can try and see. And so he said, okay. So he took his cup and he said, come back. He said, Pastor Tim, they didn't give me a refill. They gave me an overfill because I had to drink it before I could even move it. And that's the idea. We are to be, because of all God has done, we should be sharing that uh, with others. So it's overflowing, praising God, preaching, praising the Lord, preaching the Lord, and pursuing the Lord. Verse 8, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thy honor dwelleth. You love the habitation of his house. That's why you're here on Sunday school. And so may the Lord bless you for that. Number five, divinely obstructed life. Verse nine, gather not my soul with sinners. When's the last time we asked God for bringing obstructions into our life? I can't ever remember doing that. But that's what he's praying for. Gather not my soul with the sinners. He wanted to be kept from, nor my life with bloody men, in whose hands is mischief or lewdness, and their right hand is full of bribes. He wanted the Lord to keep him from those people who were uh, that would be problematic for him and to build obstructions in their life. It was, it was. I guess the quintessential example will be uh, John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace. He told his family that he went to Africa on his own words that I might be free to sin to my heart's content, free to sin to my heart's content. And so he got involved in the rough, brutal slave trade. He was in the navy, and he must have deserted. And he got beat so bad by the navy, uh, his back was beaten to a pulp. He got involved in the slave trade, became a slave of a slave. However, back home there was a mother and a fiance praying for him. And God kept putting obstructions in his way to finally one terrible night, he came face to face with death and received Christ as Savior. So praise the Lord for a divinely obstructed life. Our, ours would be, uh, he puts, perhaps he uses the Bible first and foremost to correct us, uh, perhaps podcasts or sermons or people or issues or things or happenings to get us, keep us, and to get us perhaps, perhaps back on track with him full of bribes. Now, we would never take a bribe from businessmen. I don't believe we would. But this, how does sin bribe us? Sin bribes us by, oh, if you'll do this, you'll have pleasures here. Just do this, and the reward will be... But does the Bible not say sin is pleasurable? For a season, exactly. For a season. But we forget that. We only see the moment. We are instant gratification. That's what we almost have been trained, all of us, to do. We want it right now. I want instant mashed potatoes, 
And if you should take too long in the drive through at McDonald's, I want to get through here. Don't you know? If you have a big order, go through inside. We're going through the drive through here, not the park through. Go inside. Oh, sorry. So we want all those things now. By the way, McDonald's is opening up 10,000 new stores by 27. Or 20, yeah, 27. And they're going to start opening a, like, Starbucks. It's called, I think, Cosmic. They have just, just drinks. Anyway, that's coming to Texas first. Divinely ordered life. I'll get off my little hobby horse there. Uh, Grinnell, William Grinnell, the Puritan, said, A soul walking in its integrity will take bribes neither from man nor sin itself. Divinely ordered life. My foot standeth in an even place, and the congregation will I bless the Lord. Congregations. Now, do you know what the, the plural of majesty is? It's, it's the queen doing this. Did you go to the store? The queen says, no, we went to the store. Did you go to the sporting event? No, we went to the sporting event. So when he says here, it's not like multiplicity of congregations. Verse 12, my foot standeth in even place, and the congregations will I bless the Lord. It's, it's the congregation of, it's, it's, it's that plural majesty, referring to one person, but, but more than one. When the queen speaks, it's not just her. It's the whole country of England. So you think about when you're in leadership, the responsibility, whether you want it or not, whether you want it or not, it is yours to treat correctly. So, Queen, we are going. We're not going. So it seems, I, I, I put it now, I think, as we close, he seems to say to all of them, hoot at me if you will, seek to trip me up as you please. God is high above you all, and in him I shall stand, stand my ground, for blessed be his name, Notwithstanding every attempt of the enemy to throw me down, my foot standeth in an even place. In the congregations will I bless the Lord. So we have to trust him. And, as, and it's the joy of walking. That, that whole psalm, judge me, examine me, assay me. It might be something we should ask on a daily basis. Lord, show us the things that are displeasing to you. Let us pray. Lord, we just thank you for the psalm. Thank you for the psalmist. We thank you for your word. May you help us to apply to our, our, us to apply it to our lives. Lord, may we rejoice in the forgiveness of Christ. May we serve you this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.